Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, church family and friends. I have a few jokes for you this morning just to get started. Who serves food at the Death Star restaurant? Well, of course, it's Darth Waiter. <laughs> Why did Chewbacca get sent back down to minor to play minor league baseball? He was making too many Wookiee mistakes. Come on, where are my where are my Star Wars fans? Come on. What did the sweet potato say to Luke Skywalker? Ready? He said, Luke, I am your father. <laughs> well, I want to welcome you to our exciting end of the summer series that we are calling Star Wars. May his force be with you. And it's a purposeful play on words, as, as you've heard Darth Vader in that clip you just saw say, the force is strong with this one. Truth, and the truth is the force is strong with all believers. Can I get an amen? I don't care what kind of Darth Vader you might be facing today. I don't care what kind of struggle you might be going through. God's force is with us. Pastor Sean, thank you, Pastor Sean, for that incredible message last week. I, I got an email from one of our members that said, Pastor Sean was on fire. Well, he made a point last week that that the doors of our buildings may be closed for right now, but the church is never closed. Can I get an amen? My Bible says that, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And so in 1 John 4, 4, it says, Ye are of God, little children, and have, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is within you than he that's within the world. Now, matter of fact, as I thought about that, and again, who are my Star Wars fans? I thought that could be something Yoda might have said. I mean, think about it. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that's within the world. Doesn't that sound like something he said? He would say? The truth of the matter is many people believe that the Star Wars um, epic, the Star Wars story, that 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 trilogy that George Lucas originally came out with was that battle between good and evil and that he got his inspiration from the Bible itself. I remember when I was a young man, a, a teenager really, with my bestie, uh, Bill, and we went to see it for the first time on the big screen and it literally blew our minds. We were hooked from that moment on. We were Star Wars fans. I didn't know uh, until recently that the Star Wars uh, episodes started in the middle of the story. Let me say that again. It started in the middle of the story. I want you to take note of that. Because in 1977, the first one that came out was episode four, and it was called A New Hope. It was 100 and, uh, 121 minutes, it was action, adventure, fantasy. A fellow by the name, a character by the name of Luke Skywalker joins forces with a Jedi Knight, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you all know him, and a cocky pilot, Han Solo, and his sidekick, a Wookiee, and two droids. 
and they have to save the galaxy from the from the Empire's world destroying battle station while attempting also to to uh, save Princess Leia. But I wanted you to take note of that because just like that saga starts in the middle of a struggle, listen to me, every single one of us have been born into the middle of a struggle. I shared some time ago that someone came up to me and they asked the question, Pastor Rick, is this particular person having a difficulty because you think he's having um, personal attacks or spirit, going under spiritual attack? And my response to, to her was the same as I always say, listen, we're all under spiritual attack. We were born into, into this world under a spiritual attack, or in, I should say it this way, in a spiritual battle, the battle between good and evil has been going on for multiple thousands of years. And the Bible makes it clear there are really only two sides. And, and Jesus even narrows it down. He says, he calls them, there are, there are children of the light and there are children of darkness. In John chapter three, verse 16, that famous verse that we all know, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the solution to the darkness in this world by our heavenly father was to send a great light. And his name was Jesus. He goes on to say, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation. I want you to listen that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. And so the Bible makes it clear that the difference between the children of light and the children of darkness is their relationship to the source of the light. And again, the source of the light has a name. His name is Jesus. The Bible calls him the light of the world. And Jesus said, men who love and practice evil won't come to him because they're like, they're, they're like roaches in a kitchen at night. They come out at night when you flip on the light, they scatter. Why? Because they hate the light. The light exposes them for what they are and what they are doing and the evil that's taking place in their lives. And so Jesus warns, if you're, if you're actually living for the Lord in today's world, just like they hated him, they're going to hate you too. They're going to have problems with you too. Pastor Sean pointed that out last week. If you find that your opinions are in perfect sync with what the world is doing and saying, I've got newsflash for you. <laughs> you are probably part of the world, part of the world system, or at least a friend of the world because they're not giving you a hard time because your opinions are exactly the same as theirs. And so concerning this cosmic battle, this Star Wars, if you will, it's very important for you and I and each and every one of us who calls ourselves children of the light or Jesus' followers to, to practice some kind of discernment today. As the, as the, as we are, uh, drawing closer toward that final battle. The Apostle Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 
He says, uh, let's go, let's go with verse 12. He says, I will continue and do, I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people, listen to me, are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Did you hear that? Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no wonder that his, that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. But watch this. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Now, I love that. Because while we're in the middle of a battle, and sometimes when we turn on the news and we see the intensity of the battle that's taking place, not just in our country, but in the world, it seems like the enemy is winning. But I promise you, and this is one of your first fill-ins, I want you to write this down. In the end, God always gets the last word. Can I get an amen? God always gets the last word. Don't you ever forget that. Now, it seemed that early in the days of the prophet Jeremiah in his ministry, he appeared to forget it for a moment, which prompted him to ask this question in Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1. He said, Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you. So let me bring you this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? And why are evil people so happy? You have planted them and they have taken root and prospered. Your name is on their lips, but you are far from their hearts. But as for me, Lord, you know my heart. You see me and you test my thoughts. And then he tells the Lord exactly what he thinks he should be doing with them. He said, drag these people away like sheep to be butchered. Set them aside to be slaughtered. How long must this land mourn? Even the grass in the fields have withered. The wild animals and the birds have disappeared because of the evil in the land. For the people have said, the Lord doesn't see what's ahead for us. The Lord's and the Lord's reply to Jeremiah, verse 5, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Even your brothers, members of your own family, have turned against you. They plot and they raise complaints against you. Do not trust them, no matter how pleasantly they speak. In other words, God's response to Jeremiah is basically, can I call you Jerry for now? Come on. You're, Jerry, you're not seeing the big picture, but I do. What you are seeing is wearing you down and wearing you out. Anyone been there? Anyone turn on the news and you feel like you're just getting tired? You're getting worn out. In fact, he turned around and said, even your brothers, the one who are whispering nice things to you, they have turned against you. But let me tell you something, Jerry. Let me tell you something, Jeremiah. Let me tell you something, church family. Because you belong to me, let me tell you what's going to happen. Verse 16, Jeremiah chapter 12. And if these nations truly learn the ways of my people... And if they learn to swear by my name, saying, as surely as the Lord lives, just as they taught my people to swear by the name of Baal, in other words, they spent all this time teaching their children the wrong thing. How long ago did they take prayer out of the schools and the Bible out of the schools? And how long have they been teaching the children the wrong things? 
and the chickens have now come home to roost. He said, just as they taught my people to swear by, my, by, by the name of Baal, I want them to teach them to swear by my name. And then when they do that, they will be given a place among my people. But listen, verse 17, but any nation, any nation, listen up, America, any nation who refuses to obey me will be uprooted and destroyed. I, the Lord, have spoken. That's a serious word. Like I said, in the end, God will always get the last word. And it's often a conditional word. In other words, here's your next fill-in. If we learn to listen to what he says, we can have the power of hope in our lives. Hope in what? Listen, the force of hope for at least three very important areas. Three very important areas. Because there are things that are attacking uh, 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 our, our um, resources. There are things that are attacking our economy, our, our nation, and our future. And these are the three areas that God wants every single one of us to have hope in. Hope for our resources. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus speaking, he said, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. In other words, you make a priority of him in your life and you, and you make him first in your life. He promises to take care of all your needs. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a, help me out somebody, a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they shall freely and they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase, listen, your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Can I get an amen? Anybody listening? If God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. As long as you make him a priority with your resources, he'll make, he'll make you a priority in, in his provisions for you. Amen? And we need that certainty today. We need that with all that's going on in our nation today. We need the certainty of the promises of God's provision in our lives. And so there's hope for our resources. But secondly, there's hope for our nation. And we all know that we need that as well. Again, just turn on the news, and it, and it, it seems like if it ain't bad news, there's no news at all. But this is what Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 says. He says, At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to, what does it say? Every prayer made in this place. Folks, folks, 
we should be praying like we never prayed before. We should be praying like we never prayed before. The forces of evil and darkness are aligning themselves against the children of the light. And the only problem is, as far as I can see, instead of the church affecting the world, it seems like the world has infected the church. Let's tell the truth. There's not a whole lot of difference between the behavior of what people are doing inside the church than what's going on on the outside of the church. The sins that are taking place on the outside of the church seem to be the same as the ones that are happening on the inside of the church. In fact, I heard this interesting statistic concerning the power of God. There's a full a third of the established church today are sensationalists or cessationalists, cessationalists, which means that they believe that God no longer has the ability or is doing the supernatural in our world today. The healing, the deliverances, the miracles, they believe it all stopped some 2,000 years ago. And then we wonder why there's no power in the church. Then we wonder why the church looks exactly the same way as the world in terms of the people living their lives because they've denied the power thereof. Folks, it's a lie. And so because we've drifted so far away from the truth of his word, we've drifted away from the source of the Holy Spirit power that is in us. Greater is he that is within you than he that's within the world. And because of the absence of light, there can only be darkness. And it feels that that's what's filling our nation today. Darkness. Darkness has filled our airwaves. Can we get the truth about anything today? When we turn on the news, it's filtered through people who just have agendas. And so we can't even get the truth about what's happening. But listen, this is not the first time it's happened in our, in, in, the, in our world. The Bible says in second, uh, in, in second Kings chapter two, that there was a period, a dark period in the history of the Jewish people at around 640 BC, where Josiah, after many years of evil kings uh, who were leading the people astray, he came to power. He became the king. And folks, he was only eight years old. Let that sink in. Eight years old. Because what we're going to see in his life is no matter the fact that he was such a young person, God used him in a mighty way to change the complete direction of an entire nation and to, and to take them from uh, coming under uh, terrible consequences and position themselves for a blessing. Listen to his story. Second Kings chapter 22. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah from Boscath. Verse 2, and he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor, David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. Now listen to me. The scripture goes on to say that when he turned 18, he started looking after the condition of the church or the condition of the temple because it had fallen into disrepair almost simultaneously as God's people drifted from their uh, so where they were supposed to be in their hearts with the Lord. And so as they drifted, the temple started to fall into disrepair. And so he decided he was going to repair the temple and he, and he commissioned his, his leaders to start rebuilding it and doing what was right. And something interesting happened in second Kings chapter 22, verse eight. It says, Hilkiah, the high priest said to Jephan, the court secretary, 
I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan, and he read it. Now think about that just for a moment. Hilkiah was the high priest. Every year the, the, within the Jewish system, there was somebody who was named the high priest. He would be equivalent to the pope at the time. And during this time, this dark period, even he had not read the Holy Scriptures. It was a shock to him when he found it, and he read it, and he gave it to the, 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 the church secretary, who also read it, and then they brought it to the boy king, and he read it in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 11. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. And then he gave these orders to his men. Drop down to verse 13. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that, that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors, listen, have not obeyed the words in this scroll. Now, how could they have obeyed the words? Even the high priest didn't know what the words were. Unfortunately, that's happening in our churches too. There are people who should know what the Word of God says, but they're not reading it. He goes on to say, we have not been doing everything it says we must do. And so they inquired of the Lord, and they came, and they came to a prophetess who had the Word of the Lord. And this is what she said in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 15. She said to them, the Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you, this is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the words written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods, and I'm very angry with them for everything they've done. My anger will burn against this place, and it will not be quenched. Verse 18. But go to the king of Judah, who sent you to seek the Lord, and tell, the, tell him, this. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against the city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this city. So they took her message, they took her message back to the king. Side note, there have always been prophets and prophetesses, men and women who are filled with the Holy Spirit and who are in tune with the Holy, Holy Spirit. And so that is today as well. And so what was the king's response to the grace and the hope he had just received, the word of the Lord that came to him? Second Kings chapter 23, verse 1. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. And there the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. And the king took his place of authority besides the pillar and renewed the covenant in the, in the Lord's presence. And he pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. And in this way, he confirmed all the term of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves 
to the covenant. So what did he do? He called the nation to repentance in the hopes that the promised calamity that, that due to their disobedience wouldn't come on them as a nation. Folks, I heard some disturbing news, you know, just this week. In our country, they are burning Bibles. They are burning Bibles in some of these what I call satanic liberal enclaves in America. <laughs> and you ever notice that when they start doing that, it seems like it's only the Christian Bible that gets targeted, that the sons of darkness start to attack. Instead of burning the Bible, what they should be doing is opening it up and reading it and repenting as a nation so that we can again walk in the hope of his blessing and the promise that he has, that he's given to everyone who would obey him. Can I get an amen? Amen. Listen, his force of hope is with us and for us if we would do things his way. Amen? And, and, and that's hope for our resources and that's hope for our nation. But let me give you the third hope, and that's hope for your and my personal future. One of my favorite scriptures, and here's Jerry again. Now he's toward the end of his life, and he's learned some things. And this is what he said, Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is what the Lord said through him, says the Lord. They are plans for your good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me, what does it say? Wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your calamity, I mean your captivity, and restore your fortunes. And I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. Now listen to me this morning, full disclosure. This was a promise that took 70 years for God to bring about in the lives of his people. And they, they would be living under, he told them they're going to be living under a difficult situation much like today. And during that time when that word came, there was another prophet that stood up and contradicted what the word of the Lord said through Jeremiah and said, that's not going to happen. You're only going to have to deal with it for, for two years and was trying to mislead the people. And Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and told that prophet, said, you do not have the word of the Lord. They are going into captivity. And because you've given this false word, you're going to be dead in two months. And guess what, guess what happened to that prophet? He was dead in two months. And indeed, the people went into captivity for 70 years. But there was a promise that God had given in the midst of them going into captivity. He promised that he was going to prosper them even through their difficult situation. Now, that reminds me of the story uh, uh, um, that most preachers have heard concerning there are people who, 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 would, who you would invite to come to church. And their response to you would be, Yo, Pastor Rick, I can't come to, come to your church because there's some sin in their lives. If I walk into the doors of your church, something's going to happen. You know, lightning's going to strike. It's going to burn down. And my response to them is always the same. Come to the church. We are not, we are not concerned with that. 
if, if that was God's intent for you to strike you with lightning, he knows where you live. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? He knows where you live. He's not going to burn down my church to get to you. But that's not God's intent. He, he says that God is not coming to the world to condemn the world, but that the world may see a great light and that, that, that the world may come to salvation through a hope in the promise of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's his promise. And he knows how to and where to send provisions, even if he has to do it like he did with the prophet via ravens to, to, to find out where you live. He has that ability. And so if, if, if you're going to experience the, the force of hope as it relates to your resources and, our, and your nation and our future, the blessings that he wants to give us in our lives, we got to get to that place where the word of the Lord that he gave to uh, Jeremiah comes to pass. And that's simply this. You've got to surrender your whole heart. Surrender your whole heart to the light. And I told you what his name is. His name is Jesus. And with that comes the promise of a new beginning. But, but the condition is we have to be willing to, to let go of the old and to obey the word of the Lord. And when we do that, that's when the hope for our resources come into play and, and the hope for our nation and the hope for our future. That's when light uh, comes back and pushes back the darkness. Folks, there's hope for our future no matter what, but it's only found in Christ. I want to leave you with this scripture. And it's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. And the, and the source of that power in our lives is Jesus Christ. Have you accepted him yet? Have you turned to him? Have you experienced the hope that only he can provide? If you haven't, why not? And why not today? And why not right now? If God is ministering to your heart and calling you, I invite you to come to him. Right now, right where you're at, everyone just kind of bow their heads and close their eyes. And let's make an altar before the God of hope right now. And let's surrender our lives to him. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. And I thank you, Lord, that in this epic battle, these Star Wars, if you will, that you have given us the victory through your son, Jesus Christ, that we all have a new hope in him. Today, I acknowledge my need for him. I surrender my life to him. Come into my life, come into my heart. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray. And we all said, amen. Friends and family, join us next week. May his force be with you. God bless you. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already, and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty 
for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.